my name's Erica. Um, I happen to be the family um, ministry director at my church in Pickerington, Ohio, which is a suburb of Columbus. Um, I was going to tell you a little about me and then show you a really great picture of me when I was a kid. But you can't see it, so imagine how cute I was. That's me when I was a kid. Um, so I became a Christian when I was 11. I was raised in a Christian home. I had the privilege of going to Christian college, teaching in Christian schools. I had um, the kind of like awesome testimony that we want kids to have, that we want our kids to have nowadays. Um, and then um, in my late 20s, I took a time to kind of run away from God and do the things I wanted to do. And he said, oh, no, you don't. And he brought me back. And so now I get to work um, at an amazing church. Um, I was teaching preschool, and a lady came to my church and said, hey, come, or came to my school to work. And she was like, come come to my church with me. And I was like, no, I've done the whole church thing. I don't want to do that. Um, but I finally went because she wouldn't shut up. And um, <laughs> I started teaching Sunday school and all those kinds of things. And um, next thing you know, my pastor asked me to stop teaching and come and be the children's director. And I was a little bit scared because I didn't know how to do that. <laughs> I knew how to be a teacher. I didn't know how to do um, this. But, um, you know, God equipped those that he called. So thankfully, I've been doing it now for almost 11 years, um, and it's been a fun time. And about three years into that, I didn't have any mentor. I didn't have any help. I didn't know what I was doing. And that's when I met Stacy um, Petty. She was the children's pastor at C3 at that time. And she didn't know what she was doing either. Don't let her fool you. And um, so we just kind of became friends and helped each other and learned things from each other and met other children's people in our area and connected and um, realized that we're better together when we help each other um, than trying to fight in our community because I'm I'm not from your denomination. So I didn't know. I didn't know anything about the Assemblies of God. I didn't know anybody, you know. So um, it's it's fun to connect and, and help each other and serve in that way. So Stacy and I became friends. and. That was several years ago, and then she asked me to come and talk to you guys, so I get to do that, too, so that's fun. Um, I, like I said, I didn't know what I was doing, so the internet became my friend, and I read a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of books. Um, I brought some with me today to share with you. If you haven't read them, I would encourage you to. These are some of my favorites. Um, the Fabulous Reinvention of Sunday School. This one changed the way that I even look at children's ministry. Um, before this book, I think everything that I thought was the way they did it when I was a kid. Um, and it's just not that way anymore. Not just because of technology, because of lots of things. So that one kind of changed the way that I do what I do. And then um, making children's ministry the best hour of every kid's week. Sue Miller wrote this when she worked at Bill Hybels Church in Chicago a long, long, long time ago. Now she works for Orange. And we don't have to talk about Bill Hybels. Um, <laughs> And then just recently, I read this book called Shackleton's Way, if you're a history buff. Um, it's about an admiral in the Navy and just the way that he led his team. There's so many great leader, leadership principles in here. So those are some of my three favorite um, ministry books. So we're not going to use this. So Okay, we'll just not do that. Um, the things I'm going to share with you today are all super practical things. Um, I don't want to limit or um, not give God credit all the awesome things that he's done in my church personally or in your churches um, but one of the verses that I like to remember um, when it comes to working hard and doing practical things is in Proverbs chapter 21 verse 31 it says the horse is made ready for the day of battle but victory rests with the Lord so he gets to do the victory part and we get to do the hard work part we get to show great faith 
and trust our big God, but we're going to do the hard work that gets us ready for when his victory shows up. So the things I'm going to share with you today are going to be super practical. Lots of just things you can do to build your team at your church, and hopefully they're helpful for you. And we'll just um, all acknowledge from the beginning that we start with prayer, we're starting with God's word, and we're covering it all with that all along the way. So I just want to share with you four building blocks that can hopefully help you build the team at your church. How many of you lead staff teams at your church? So all of us lead volunteer teams at our church? We all do that? Yes? Okay. These are things that hopefully you can do to build up the volunteer teams at your church. Now, if you came in here today for me to tell you the top three ways to have a waiting list of volunteers for your children's ministry. I don't know how to do that. So <laughs> that is not the secret that I have. That is not in the secret sauce. So that I can't help you with that. But there are four other things that we can do that can help the teams that we have and then build from there. So the first one is to communicate vision to your team. Communicate vision to your team. Whatever your church's vision is or your children's ministry's vision is, you want to communicate, communicate, communicate. It's the marketing rule of seven. Whenever you've seen a commercial seven times, passed a restaurant seven times, heard that jingle seven times, we are farmers. <laughs> you know that because you've heard it so many times. And so think about, could a volunteer in your ministry say the rest of your vision statement? If I walked into any of our spaces today and I said building relationships, they would say that point kids to Jesus because I've said it so many times they're tired of hearing. So you keep saying it until you're tired of hearing it, and it'll finally click. So whatever that vision is, make sure you know it and you're saying it all the time. And then you can connect that vision to everything that you do. Um, a great example at our, at our church, our volunteers have to wear a children's ministry t-shirt. And Do we have to wear the shirt? We wear it every week. Yeah, because when you wear a shirt, you're a faith person, which then builds a relationship. That points a kid to Jesus, I know. So everything that we do, we can connect it back to that vision. So a few things. I left room there on your, your notes if you want to add a couple things. One of them um, is to align your vision up with the church's greater vision. So whatever your church's big kind of mission vision statement is, if your children's ministry vision lines up with that, it'll be easy to connect that to the greater mission of what you're doing in your church. I'll just keep using my church as an example. Um, we have four campuses and almost 4,000 people, um, about 1,000 kids on a weekend. And so all of those volunteers are tired of hearing me say build relationships that point kids to Jesus. And they're also tired of hearing our lead pastor say, we want to help people meet, follow, and share Jesus. But they know that. And so everything that we do, from the person who's greeting to the lady who's rocking a baby, she rocks a baby so that her mom feels free to go and meet Jesus. The lady that greets the family, that's great because she's helping that family take their next step with following Jesus. It all connects back to that greater vision in our church. Um, the next thing I think that can help with vision is if you spend time with your senior pastor. Um, another great book that I um, read along the way is this one called Leading Kidmen by um, some folks from Awana, Pat Simo and Matt Markins. Um, and they have a whole section where they did a survey of children's ministry people who've met with their senior pastor and what do you do? Like, he's busy, she's busy, they don't have a lot of time, but how do I get in their office? How do I get to lunch with them? How do I get to know what's on their heart? And then how can I connect their vision to our kids' ministry vision or give them kids' ministry vision? So just a couple things. If you grab this book, there's a whole list, but um, regularly ask your senior leader for feedback. 
listen to the sermon, even if you have to listen to them online. That way you know what they're teaching. What are they talking about to the rest of Ask their personality type. Ask them for advice and wisdom. Ask formative questions that can align your ministry to their ministry. All kinds of things. I would say um, praying for him or her is probably the best thing you can do because you can't be upset at someone the Holy Ghost loves someone that you're praying for. So if you are praying for your pastor, then um, it'll be much easier to line up with them and love on them, I think. That's my own personal opinion. Um, we recently did a sermon series at our church called Growing Up where we were talking about what it means to start as a baby Christian and grow up along the way. And we, we recognized that one of the sermon titles was called Co-Laborers. That verse that talks about being a co-laborer with Christ. And so um, one of the people on my team said, I wonder what he's going to talk about. I said, well, go ask him. <laughs> so we got in front of him and we said, what are you going to talk about in this co-laborers? Oh, we're going to talk about serving and how we should serve and serve together. And so then we were like, oh, we got to get on that. So we got in front of him. We talked to our communications department, weekend services folks. We were like, how can we use this sermon that he was already planning to preach to be a way that we can talk about volunteering? We ended up doing a whole volunteer push that helped every ministry in our church. Had a flyer in the program. Folks filled it out. A thousand people filled out the flyer in the program, all because we got in front of him and said, hey, can we partner with you to do this? So hopefully we get a whole bunch of new volunteers. Maybe that is the secret sauce. I don't know. Whole bunch of volunteers from this volunteer push, but it wouldn't have happened if we hadn't gotten in front of him and partnered with him in making that happen. So there's that one. I'm just going to keep giving you resources. Here's okay. This would be my dream job if I could. I would just like wear a trench coat and walk around and like give resources to everyone I know. <laughs> Except that then you'd be like half slasher or like selling things on the black market. So I think that they're both bad. But <laughs> I'll just hold them up instead. Um, if anyone's ever never read this, How to Lead Me Not in Charge by Clay Scroggins. He's one of the North Point pastors. This one is super hard for me personally because I'm not the lead pastor. I don't get to make all the decisions, and I don't get to be in every room, but I do have influence. And you're probably not the lead pastor at your church either, and you probably don't get to make all the decisions, but you do have influence. And this book is amazing at leading yourself, leading sideways, leading up, how to lead even when you don't have the authority or the title. Um, he tells a story about a Chick-fil-A franchiser who wanted to introduce a new dessert item. And Chick-fil-A has a very narrow, like, what they do. They do chicken, and they do it really, really well and really, really fast. And so people were asking for another dessert option, and he just bought with his own money the supplies and the ingredients, and he created a milkshake. Well, as you can imagine, that probably trickled back up to the whoever they call him, the big wigs at Chick-fil-A. And they wanted to come find out about this milkshake guy. So we got there and they were like, what are you doing with this whole milkshake thing? We never said you could make milkshakes. We make chicken and we make it fast. We make it good. He's like, okay, we only have one dessert, the ice cream. So if I can make a milkshake in as fast as you can make two Cokes and it tastes good, can we serve milkshakes? Fine, sure. They didn't think he could do it. Of course he did. And now Chick-fil-A sells milkshakes. 13 years later, we all drink Chick-fil-A milkshakes because one guy used the influence that he had even when he didn't have the authority. He wasn't in charge of changing the menu at Chick-fil-A, but he used the influence that he did have to make change happen. So I would encourage you to use the influence that you do have in front of your senior pastor or whatever ministry board or whoever you get to have influence with to make the change and continue that vision. Sorry, I'll get on, on a tangent with that one. That was, that's that. 
And then there's lots of things that you're probably going to have to say no to so that you can say yes to the best thing. If you think about that, there's lots of great programs and committees and curriculums and you name it. There's lots of good things out there, but sometimes we have to say no to a good thing so that we can say yes to the best thing because that best thing is what fits into our vision. I'll just keep giving you examples at our church. We have had to say no to, have you guys heard of upward sports? So we don't do upward sports at our church because, and we could, we have a gym, we have an amazing facility, I have lots of great volunteers who course, uh, coach sports teams, I could do it. And we would do it really, really well. But part of the vision of our church is to be in our community. And so we made a philosophical decision to say, we want dads as coaches and Christians on their teams out in the community. Go join your local team, go get on your school's um, rec league, do those kind of things and stay out in your community instead of all the Christians coming to our church and playing basketball together. And so we said no to something that's good. Upward is good. And we could do it really, really well because we wanted to say yes to something that's great and be in our community because it's in our vision and our values something great that we said yes to instead. So that was the first one, communicating vision. So we'll move on to number two. And this one is love your team. Um, loving is something that's hard for me. I'm, <laughs> I'm a practical person. It is much easier for me to just one, two, three, do the thing. Okay, great, moving on, thank you. But people actually need love. <laughs> so I've had to learn over the years um, to love people the way that they need to be loved. Um, one great way is to celebrate important life events. When we were much smaller, I got to go to every um, baby that was born in the hospital. I got to go to birthday parties and those kind of things. If you have the privilege of leading out a small church, you get to be in people's lives if you're volunteers. You get to go be a part of those things. And celebrating those life events is a great way to love on them. And then thank people on a regular basis. People want to be thanked. And they want to be thanked specifically. It's easy to go, well, I said thanks for all you do, <laughs> but what did I actually do? I'm sure that if you got a thank you note from your leader that said thank you for all the hard work you put into creating this curriculum for our children's ministry is much different than thanks for all you do for the kids at our church. If you said to a volunteer, thank you for loving on Johnny when he was crying, when he came into the preschool room and he was having such a hard time and I saw the way you got on the floor, is much different than thanks for serving in the preschool room. So if you can think about those specific ways to thank people intentionally. Um, I heard a story of someone who would go around and video their volunteers on their phone and then text them after church with the video of what they saw them doing and said it was awesome the way you X, Y, Z. Marco Polo, you could totally Marco Polo them. They won't get it till after church. If you know what Marco Polo is, it's an app with like video. It'd be super fun to get that when I got in my car and go, oh my gosh, they saw me doing that. That would be fun. So things like that um, specifically appreciating folks. So I thought, since we all work hard and it's late in the day, that I would specifically appreciate all of you today. There's a s'mores fans in the room. Ten minutes is only one box. Ten minutes. Oh, come on, come on, come on. There we go. I got gluten free. Anybody gluten free? There we go. See? How about the coconut fans? Specifically for the coconut. I can't throw them. Air hit people. Anyway. Tag along. Did anybody ask for some more? Here we go. I'm going to have to bust into the Samoas. Here's peanut butter. If you're allergic, do not go. Okay, here we go. 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 Here we go.
Savannah Lemon. Peanut butter, we got a peanut butter fan over here. Anybody? Oh, I touched them too bad, they're mine. You'll have to eat them. I was going to stop at Kroger and get like candy for you guys, and then I saw these two dads on the side of the road wearing pink camo and like waving the Girl Scout cookie sign. Oh my goodness, so I had to. I couldn't help. It was the dads. The dads did it. So feel free to pass them out. Help yourself. You. And don't fall asleep on them. No. <laughs> yeah, there's some gluten-free ones there. They must be all yours. Oh, there's another gluten-free fan over here. While we're talking about loving people, I think the best way to love them is if you know them. Unfortunately, I don't know you guys. I wish I did. I would have loved you more specifically. <laughs> but the people on my team, on my staff, it's, it's helpful when I know what their favorite candy is or what they did last week with their kids or any of those things. Um, when I lead my staff meetings or individual one-on-one -on -one meetings, um, actually we do this across our whole church, not just with me, but we have four C's that we talk about in every one-on-one. -on -one. We do a time of connection. So if I, I know that last week they had that scary doctor's appointment or their kid was in that tournament, that's my time to connect and how's it going, how are you? Um, and then commending, again, the specific, thank you for all the hard work you put into that event last weekend. Um, commending and then coaching, that's when I get to say, how can I help you? How's it going in this area? What can we work on there? And the last one's correcting and we don't get to those very often. Hopefully if you're coaching people, the right way you won't have to correct very often um, but they know that coaching that correcting is a thing so if I ever say this is a corrective conversation we know what we're actually talking about um, but those four C's are helpful when you're meeting with people even if you're not leading a staff member if you're leading a volunteer who is especially a key leader if they lead your whole elementary space and you want to meet with them every so often to stay up to date those four C's can help you really connect with them and love them in a specific way versus just a generic we're having another so those four C's help with loving people. And then the last one is, like I said, to know them really, really well. Um, how many of you have ever done a personality test like Myers-Briggs, Finders, any of those? If you know what other people's strengths are, other people's Myers-Briggs number, love languages even. If they're a words of affirmation person, then your words are going to carry much more weight to them than they would to a person whose love language is gifts. Um, if they're a physical touch person, they need to hug every Sunday. Every Sunday they need to hug. I'm not a hugger, but I know some people who are, and I hug them because they need a hug, not because I need it. That's a great way to show love. My recent obsession is the Enneagram. Anyone familiar with the Enneagram? I love the Enneagram. Um, if you haven't done it, it's just another personality test. A lot of folks use it um, in a spiritual way to help us focus. If you imagine the perfect personality is Jesus at the center, the Enneagram is a circle. E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A. Enneagram. It's a very old, if you dig too deep, you could find some things that sound very not Christian, but there are lots of Christian authors. Um, Ian Morgan Crone has a podcast, also has a great book called The Road Back to You to help you know who your, what your number is and how that works. So if you know your, your, the people on your team, their Enneagram number, then it helps a lot with motivations. Um, I've learned why do they do the things that they do? It's because that's what they're motivated by as their number, which is just something that we, we do not the end, but it's one of those things. Knowing people is a great way to love them. 
Okay, on to number three. Continue to grow your team. It's easy to go, well, I've got my elementary people, I've got my preschool people, I'm good. We can sit back and relax. I don't know about you, but in my experiences, that's never <laughs> happened. <laughs> but maybe like we think we've got a good person and then they get transferred and move away. So we always have to be constantly growing. Um, something we say is we all recruit all the time. It's not my job to recruit volunteers. It's not just our leaders volunteer, our staff members job. We all recruit all the time at small group. Everyone in your small group should know that you work in kids ministry. They should be tired of hearing <laughs> talking about, okay, I'll volunteer, shut up. Like, maybe don't say shut up. I don't know. Can I say, you're grownups. I can say shut up. Um, maybe in your, I don't know how your church is laid out. In our church, we have free coffee in the lobby. I, every time I'm getting coffee, hey, I've met you before. Do you volunteer anywhere? <laughs> and I tie it back to vision. Have you, have, tell me about when you met Jesus. How are you doing following Jesus? Are you ready to share Jesus? Me follow and share. Like we tie it all back together with those things. Um, a tip that someone taught me was how to have an I see in you conversation. You just write down the letters to remind you I see in you, but it also means I see in you. I saw a dad who was like down on the floor talking to his kids and getting them excited. We're going to church. You can do and I said, dude, I see in you a great kid leader. You related to your kids in such a great way. I'd love to have that energy on our kid team. I see in you this. So if you can practice having those conversations, it's easy to walk up to people and quote unquote recruit them because you saw something great in them. Another great way to continue to grow your team is to collaborate with other teams and departments in your church. You're like, wait a minute. I need more volunteers than they need. It takes three times as many people to run kids' ministry. It does to hold a freaking door open and pass out a program. <laughs> right? <laughs> but let's also all admit that there are people who should just stand at the door and pass out a program. So I have a couple of those people on my team who I'm like having, the, I see in you a great smiling face who would be wonderful to stand at the door and pass out programs. <laughs> Get out of our nursery to be rude. Like, I'm not saying that. But when I know that they need greeters and I know what it what the greeting role entails because I've connected with that department and I know what they need, and they do the same for us. We've learned to collaborate over the years, and so when there's a high-level leader who's great at leading a team and they're like, they're so dynamic and so outgoing, they could probably teach on your stage in your elementary space. Bring it on. Yeah. Anyone can lead your boring Greeter huddle, come on now. I don't say that to them, I just think that. And so, <laughs> but collaborating with other teams and departments um, is another great way to continue to grow your team. And then think creatively about staffing outside the box. There's a great article from Kenny Conley in um, Kids Matter magazine where he talks about staffing outside of like the age group or the room. If you think about, well, we need a preschool person, and we need an elementary person, and a nursery person. What if you needed a large group person and a small group person? What if you needed a production person and a volunteer person? What if there's one person who's excellent loving on all your volunteers, and one person who's great at all the large group production? Instead of expecting your nursery person, and your preschool person, and your elementary person to be unicorns, and magical, and have all the gifts. They don't. Let's say this person who's good at loving on people love on all the volunteers. And this person who's great at like 
large group and production. And this person needs to create administration and do administration for all age groups. Just to think about it. It might be a different way to skin the cat and to get every space full of people actually be serving in the gifts that God gave them versus just, like I said, expecting them all to be good at everything. And then another way to grow your team is, I'm sure you guys have heard of this, you're all smart people, the stages of leader development. It's the same way that you teach your kids to fold laundry. You watch, I'll do it the first time, and then I'll do it and you help, and then you do it and I'll help, and then you do it and I watch. And so you've eventually passed it on. Basically what you've done is worked yourself out of a job. <laughs> um, you've grown that team so much that they've passed it on. And if you think back, I bet someone did that for you. Someone came alongside you and said, let's do this together. Let me show you. Let me pass on my tips and tricks. And now I'm just going to step back and you've got it. And so if you think about that, keep growing your team in that way and keep working yourself out of a job. Which leads us to the last one, which is invest in your team which might sound the same as growing, but it's actually a little bit different. What are you doing? What am I doing? I'm preaching to myself right now. What am I doing to engage team members to grow in their capacity? What are we doing to not settle for the status quo and just coast? Well, this is the way we've always done it. This is what we're doing. There's always room for improvement, always room to get better. What can we do to take it to the next level? Um, my pastor says something to me all the time that, Always, I'm like, I know. We have to work in on our ministry, not in it. He says, if I see you in that space every single weekend, all I can see are your skills. I just know you're good at this. But if I see you out of it, and I know that you've invested in other people and trained them up to do it, now I've seen your leadership. Your skill is seen in your presence, but your leadership is seen in your absence. And that's really, really hard for me. I, I'm a doer. I just want to do, like... And I can probably do it better than they can do it. I'll just do it myself. But that's really not helping the kingdom, and it's not helping the person. We have to invest in other people and pass that on. I just came from the talk that was downstairs um, that Isaiah Rowe did about excellence, and he talked about the 80% principle. If you, someone can do it 80% as well as you, you have to let them do it. You have to pass it on and let them do it. If they can do it 80% as well as you can. That's true leadership, and that's investing in other people. And then, if you think about volunteering, it's easy to go, well, I need four people in this room, three people in this room, six people in this room, and done. But what did I actually do to help those people? Not just in their ministry role or their volunteering role. What did I do to make them better people? What does their volunteering do to improve their life? How does their role at my church make them better at life? This is an awesome book called Stop Recruiting, Start Retaining by Darren Kaiser. Has anybody read it? So good. Um, there's a whole chapter or section where he talks about helping our volunteers be better at life. And he lists a few things. I This was mind-blowing to me. I never thought about this before. Every person that volunteers for you has a real job <laughs> outside of volunteering at our church. They might cook chicken at Chipotle, but they might be CEO of a giant organization. We don't know. But all along the way, they've got to do things that we can help them be better at in their real life. Maybe human resources. We interact with all kinds of people in children's ministry. Fun people, crazy people, all kinds of people. So maybe some of the things that they learn from you at church they could take for their human resources area of work. Maybe strategic thinking, problem solving, 
And you got a whole <coughs> bunch of kids that are going crazy and you got to all of a sudden, let's keep it. We got it. We can do this. Maybe that happens at work. Maybe they're not kids. Maybe they're grownups that act like kids. But they've got to strategically pop problem solve. Conflict resolution. We all know that the way that kids solve problems is not always the best way. And if we can help kids figure out the best way, maybe grownups can take that and translate that to work as well. Customer service. How many times have you been McDonald's with that teenager that doesn't know how to just say thank you and please and respect, <laughs> right? What if we could teach our teenage volunteers some proper customer service at church and tie it into their faith? And then when they go back and work at McDonald's, they know how to have good customer service because we taught it at church. I don't know. How does volunteering in your ministry help them be better at life? Stop recruiting, start retaining. It's, it's, by, it's the volunteer project. This team of people did it, and it's a whole kind of a philosophy about if you can um, help volunteers feel connected and part of the team and loved on, they'll do the recruiting for you, and you don't have to redo it. You don't have to recruit anymore. You just retain, and they'll do the recruiting. I, I haven't mastered it, but it's a thing. They say. <laughs> okay, here's the next one. This is my favorite one about investing is giving them resources. Resources, huddles, one-on-ones, all those little things that our volunteers need. Um, how many of you have huddles before services? Anybody? Awesome, good job. Yeah, it's hard to get them to come, right? They don't want to come because they think it's another meeting. And they don't want to come to another meeting. And they got kids that are screaming and they, and they forgot their t-shirt and they just need a cup of coffee and it's time change Sunday. <laughs> All those things, there's a thing. It's always something. So how do we make this huddle Please don't call it a meeting because nobody wants to go to a meeting. How do we make this huddle be something that people want to come to? I'm not always great at it, but there's three things I try to include in every huddle that makes people want to come. Um, I try to make sure there's something for their head. What do you want them to know? What is the thing you, today we're talking about? Today we're going to, today this is happening. It's upcoming. I try to give them some sneak peek at something coming up in the church that they couldn't get anywhere else. I'll tell them when the times are for Easter services that no one else has told them yet. They're going to find out if they come to the huddle. No one else knows when those are. Something for them to know, something for their head, then something for their hands, something to do. Today we're playing a game where we're going to have to stack Oreos, and so I need you to make sure the Oreos are open and ready before we start the game. Whatever it is, something for them to do with their hands. Head, hands, and then their heart. Something to inspire them. Why are we here? Why am I doing this again? Why did I get up early on Time Change Sunday and wear this stupid t-shirt again? And do <laughs> Because last week, you're never going to believe this story that I heard about this family who finally got connected to a small group because they trusted you enough to take care of their kids. And they said, okay, I'll, I'll, get, I'll take the next step. What's that inspirational thing you can give them to go, all right, that's why I do it. Yep, yep, that's why I'm doing it. So those are three things I try to do in huddles. To make people um, one want to come, but two make it worth their time. Yes, maybe seven minutes. Okay, thank you. Yeah, super fast. Because we do it before the kids arrive, but as the kids are arriving, so like our service starts at nine, we'll do it at eight thirty, and we try to get done by by eight forty because kids are coming in the room. So, yeah. Yeah, we just do it that same time. And there's, all, there's kids in the room, but we have like games and stuff that they play as they arrive, so the kids are playing the game. There's always one person who stays out of the huddles to greet the kids at the door. Correct. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, if you had a space where you could like close the doors and close children's ministry for five minutes, do it with your whole team. Yeah. Um, the last one that I have for you about investing is it's kind of a interesting principle, but don't substitute presence for preparation. If you think about a coach who goes to every practice, sits in the locker room, leaves that huddle, but never tells his team what to actually do. What if the coach was just like, yeah, good practice, you did it. But never said, you know what, you've gotta just think a little bit this way. If the coach didn't coach, we wouldn't call him a coach. And sometimes I'm guilty of this. I think I'm gonna show up, I'm gonna be the best small group leader ever, and they're gonna see me doing it and they're just gonna catch it. And next week they're gonna be the best small group ever because they watch me. That doesn't happen. My presence can't be the substitute for the preparation. I've got to be willing to say the hard things. you got to be willing to walk in there and go, you know what, dude? Those third grade boys, they're awful. I need you to keep them quiet while I'm on the stage. Because, like, we've got to be willing to say those hard things. I had a guy, he's a dad, he's a coach. you think he would could do it, you know? And he's like, I can't get these boys quiet. They won't listen to me. They're crazy. I said, well, they're third grade boys. And they just sat for 20 minutes while we were doing the Bible story. They need to do something active. Oh, I never thought of that. So now he does like push-up drills with them and sit-up <laughs> contests and all that. And they do that for the first five minutes of their small group. And then they're ready to listen and do whatever activity he wants them to do. He just didn't know it. I'd been watching him. He'd been watching me for like a year. And he didn't catch that. Like, my presence didn't help. I had to actually say the thing and prepare him to have a win in small group. So those are some of the ways that you can invest um, in your team. The last resource I want to share with you is just called Move. Again, put on by the folks from Awana. Um, it's nine conversations to build your kids' ministry team. Um, they actually give you an assessment that you can do online that gives you these nine core principles and you can score yourself, like you would take any little assessment, on how you're doing in that area. And then in the book it says, if you scored in this area, here's three ways that you can improve in each of these things. And some of the principles are like, centered on the gospel, focused on discipleship, um, church culture, involved families and parents. So all kinds of little principles, you take the assessment, I did it with my team, and then for the next few months we focused on Here's an area that we're really short on that we can improve. So it's called Move, a great one uh, to help you out. This is the book where I got the resources and huddles and ways to develop your team. So that's a good one. Those are the resources I came to share with you. Those are four building blocks to hopefully help you um, build your team.